the largest spirit competition in the world is the San Francisco World Spirits. Okay. We entered that one. We entered the International Micro Liquor Spirits Award and the American Craft Spirits Association. And we took the highest award in all three. Wow. Which is... That's crazy. Floors you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so amazing. So we took double gold in San Francisco, um, triple gold in the micro liquor, wow. and then gold and best of class for the vodka category in American Craft. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Hustle on Purpose. We've got a very special guest today, Harvey Williams. Harvey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us in your place today. This is, uh, it's nice to get out of my office and get into somebody else's space. Love uh, what you've got going on here. and want to hear yeah. more about it. Yeah, well, I'm glad you guys decided to come um, to our space and our little town yeah. and uh, check us out. So uh, we're out we're in West to Helena you. today. You are. You're actually downtown historic Helena, West Helena, Arkansas. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, I just want to dive into hearing a little bit about you and okay. what you do, how you got here. Yeah. Well, that's uh, it's been a journey. Um, I've had a, uh, a really good career outside of doing this. This uh, is something that we, my wife and I decided to do after we moved back home, back to Arkansas. We. Uh, what did you do before? What was the career doing? I was... Um, I, I, Went to school here in Arkansas and got an agri agricultural engineering degree. Okay. And uh, at Fayetteville? In Fayetteville. Yeah. Yeah. They've got and a great program for that, I've heard. Great program. It was small when I was there and it has really grown since then. Um, but I went to went to work in food processing. Okay. So I worked twenty five years for a um, company you probably have heard of, Sara Lee. Yeah. 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 Okay. I worked for those guys. And um, and then worked another five six years for a uh, uh, snack food company, and left and wanted to come back home. And there's always this this draw to to want to come back home, right, and be close to the family. Mm -hmm. And and uh, we did that. And my wife and I wanted to start our own business. Not sure why we want to do that after an, a career, but uh, we, knowing we, what you know now, it's like, what was I thinking? Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun, a, a lot of work, but uh, we wanted to start a business and this sort of checked a lot of the boxes for uh, having our own business, uh, having that business tied to our family farm. Um, so we're, we're happy to be back in, in the area. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you mentioned it being tied into the family farm, I guess. So was it kind of you moved back and you're sitting there brainstorming about potential business ideas? How did how'd you go from we want to start a business to this is the business we're going to start? Yeah. So um, I guess first thing is moving back and we, we got moved back and didn't have a business in mind. Just mm -hmm. know we wanted to move back. Yeah. And then it was okay. What business do we do we do? Um, and my brother and dad um, were here farming, and continued to farm. So I, I I grew up on this this same farm, right? And farming what specifically? Like an assortment of things? Yeah, mostly vegetables. My dad okay. uh, sort of transformed the farm into a vegetable operation, mostly vegetable operation. Um, back in the eighties when, when farming, you know, got really, really tough. He didn't have a lot of acres. And, and if you don't have a lot of acres, traditional row crop farming is tough. So he went into vegetables. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's how we ended up into, um, the sweet potato business in a bigger way, you know, kind of commercial, commercial way. 
Um, so we, we um, um, were trying to think of a, a business to, to start and my dad and brother would go to these vegetable conferences every year, every couple of years, just to learn what's going on in the market. And they came back that year, I think it's 2016, and 2016 or 2017. But anyway, he came back, and my, my younger brother, he's, a, you know, he's pretty excited about the, the conference and what they learned. But there was a guy there that had a sweet potato vodka. And okay. he, you know, initially, you know, was talking about all the things that they were doing with sweet potatoes uh, out in North Carolina. And I think they okay. do. I think they grow a lot of sweet potatoes in North Carolina. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was talking about the sweet potato chips and fries and pies. Yeah. And he was all oh, excited yeah. about that. And then, you know, I, I worked, did I, did I mentioned I worked for Sara Lee. Right. I know pies. Yeah. Um, and I, I really wasn't interested in, uh, you know, starting a business doing sweet potato pies and turnovers like my brother was. Right. But when he mentioned the sweet potato vodka, I'm like, why the heck you didn't start with that? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, lead with that yeah, next time. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I, I think that's... Uh, that's I've never heard of that. Yeah, and um, we, I, I started researching from that point forward, and we did find uh, a few other people in this country using uh, sweet potatoes to make spirits. Yeah. And I thought, that's what I want to do. My dad had become known in the area for making some of the sweetest sweet potatoes around. So yeah. if, if those sweet potatoes can make a vodka, then I think we might have something. And so, so you were like, I got to figure out how to make vodka. I got to figure out how to make vodka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I started visiting as many distilleries as I could get into, you know, doing research. Yeah. Well, because um, most of them will let you in and yeah tour the yeah. place and, and um in fact the smaller ones the, <clears throat> these craft guys they'll let you in i don't let you in yeah. but they'll tell you what they're doing how they're do, doing it yeah. and they'll let you come and, film a podcast in their oh yeah in their distillery yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yep and uh i i really felt comfortable because th 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 those craft distillers are like family i mean they really do try to help you yeah and that's cool i was doing something different and they're like uh we've not done that but Let's go for it. This, yeah. this is craft. You can make all kinds of mistakes and learn and grow right. and figure it out. Test and iterate. And yeah. 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 So that's how it came about. Yeah. That's cool because um, I like hearing that about like the distillery business because it's, I think it's more common than people think because like I'll face that same thing with, um, with like real estate. Oh, yeah. Like somebody, you know, a lot of people want to be in real estate and they don't know where to start. Like, you know, you decided you wanted to be in vodka, but don't know where to start. And I'll tell people, you know, you can any, almost any town um, of any real size, you can get on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I mean, any number of places on the internet and find local meetups with other investors. And uh, I've met way more wonderful people at those things mm -hmm. than I have not great people. Yeah. Most people there, they're trying to improve themselves and they're also willing to give you any help that they can yeah. or tell you their story or how they do a deal or whatever. Like most people are not just sitting around hoarding their knowledge like secrets. They're no. they're more than willing to help and show you things. And, yeah. And that was a refreshing thing, you know, yeah. with the with the um um uh, this craft spirit guys and yeah. we went to some big distilleries too and they'll give you the tour but they you know they're not going to open up the door and let you see the what's, right, what's behind the, the secret curtain. sauce yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and speaking of, of, of crap, you know, I, uh, my, my, my wife and I had decided we were going to do this. Also, you know, we wanted our family and parents to be, and, and my mom was like, you're going to do what? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do distillery. And I, I, she wasn't, she didn't say that she didn't support, but she didn't, yeah. she wouldn't give me all these positive vibes either. Yeah. Um, it is a divisive thing. Yeah. And Some it, people are very against it. Yeah. And, 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 and kind of this Bible Belt area. Yeah. You know, there, there's, and I think, I think her idea of it was that we were going to be doing, you know, it's going to be some sort of juke joint type thing. Right. And, right. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it wasn't that. So the, the point is I, I joined uh, the American Craft Spirits Association. Okay. And we went to one of their conferences and, or we were going to one of their conferences and I, I wanted to take my parents, my mom and dad, so they can kind of understand this industry. My wife and I were going, it was the first one and we took her and she reluctantly went. And then when she got there, it was just this sea of young people, uh, doing exactly what you what you said they they are learning that craft yeah learning that industry and when she saw all these people in there she saw the business side of it more than you know what she thought would be you know these drunkards or something sitting around right yeah yeah well and and you start realizing yeah you start when you're not in that world and this is not just spirit related it's um it's it's related to a lot of areas of just like business in general when you're not in the world and you don't know the breadth of like what really exists, mm. there's been a few things that like I get exposed to and I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's this many people that are like into this. And you start realizing like we're making craft vodka here. Yeah. It's, it's not what you're going to see. Um, had a, you know, it's, it's not necessarily what you're going to see people, um, you know, just getting completely out of control with yeah. probably. Yeah. 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 So that was the one thing. Uh, and then, um, you know, you go into this big convention center, downtown Nashville, Tennessee, mm -hmm. and it's probably 500 people in there and you, you, she didn't see any black people in that room either, mm. which, you know, it's like, wow, I mean, this is this is big business. There's, there are a lot of people here. Look yeah. at all these equipment vendors, all these suppliers. Um, the thing that put it over the top for her was we had the um, the big banquet dinner on Saturday night okay. of, of the event. Yeah. And there was a distillery there called Dunart Spirits. And it was, I think Chris Montana is the first black legal distillery in the in the country really okay and he won three awards at that night and my mom i could see her sitting at the table uh, at that banquet and she was looking with such pride like like that's her family or her son up there yeah and from that point forward she was like you know this is this is this is not bad this is different than i had could have imagined that it being right it was being so yeah I, i'm glad that we went. I'm glad that she agreed to go. Uh, mm -hmm. Just opened up the door for her. And she eyes. kept an open mind and she kept about an open it. Mind. Like that's yeah. that's also really great. It's like not just I didn't like the idea to begin with, so that's going to be my stance on it forever. Yeah. You know, yeah. props to her for yeah allowing her eyes to stay open. But you know what that did teach me though that th as close as I am to my mom, mm -hmm. um, 
there are people in this area who would probably have that same thought. So it dawned on me, these tours that we do, we open people's minds about what a distillery is. I mean, people's relationship with alcohol, typically, especially in this area, uh, is at the retail level. You go to the yeah. liquor store. Yeah. Um, but when they come in here and they go to the very back and I give a tour talking about it, we bring in these sweet potatoes, we bring in this corn, we grind this stuff up, we yeah. mash, ferment, we cook this, distill it. When they see that whole process, I think it opens up a different you know, world to right. the, the whole industry and alcohol. Um, and most people haven't seen uh, sweet potatoes fermenting in a, in a bat before. No, I, yeah. I, I, I certainly haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they see that and then they smell that aroma like this is this is so different and special here. So, yeah, um, you've already sold me. I don't even drink. And I'm like, I'm I'm going to leave here with a bottle of it because assuming there's some in here. Oh, <laughs> there's some around. <laughs> there's there's got to be. Is, there's some around. Is, like number one rule of business is like make it as easy as possible to get people's money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but, you know, we we. um it, it it is not just about the the alcohol either, and that's what my yeah. wife, because you know our, our good friends say, "What are you, you guys are in the distiller? What are you what are you doing? Y'all don't even drink like that. What's what's going on?" And I'm like, "Well, we found an opportunity, saw an opportunity, yeah, um, to create something unique, something different, something good, something that people will enjoy, and our mission is not to." you know, have people in trouble with alcohol or anything. Our mission right. is to uh, have them delighted with something that's created right here right. in Arkansas, yeah. in our hometown, grown on our farm. And if you're interested, I could give you the history of that farm, which has been I'd in our family yeah. for, since my great-grandfather. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, that's like, yeah, I can see... Um, uh, we talked a little bit off camera about the Battle of the Brands. I mean, the, this... There's something to stories that like that can't be just like easily replicated. Yeah. I feel like that when you've got a history like that, I mean you've you're distilling spirits from vegetables grown on a family farm that's been in your family since your great grandfather. It's like Yeah. That's incredible. How cool is that? It it it, it really is and and for us um the story continues to unfold because we didn't know all of this story until you know don and i were doing this project and then you know my dad started telling us about my grandfather and we learned more about the land so it, it just has continued to unfold and, and be a rich part of our family story and history Finding affordable quality property and casualty insurance can be a pain, but Litterog based JTS has the protection real estate and property owners need from liability and property coverage to plans for loss of rent, renovation projects, and more. Just give Matt Barger a call at 501-231-1611. He even has markets for short-term rentals like Airbnb, as well as vacant, owner-financed, and rent-to-own properties. Call Matt today at 501-231-1611 or email him at matt at jtsfs.com. The most common question I get asked is, GT, how do I get started in real estate investing? 
And my go-to answer is to go talk to Robbie Cole at Benchmark Home Loans. Robbie will help you figure out the best loan option for you in your current situation and help you with long-term planning as well. He gives out free advice seven days a week and he would love to help you. So if you're one of the people that's been afraid to start that conversation, I encourage you to stop right now and call 501-777-9995 so that you can start your investing journey or take it to the next level. Once again, that's Robbie Cole at Benchmark Home Loans, 501-777-9995. Yeah. So let me start with my great grandfather. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, please do. In in the late 1800s, my grandfather, great grandfather, started farming our land. Okay. And and he was a sharecropper. He didn't own that land. I was about to say, how did that? Yeah. He did, he didn't work. own it, and yeah. he was just like many other farmers. They were working to you know for that American dream to own their their farm. Right. Uh, worked his whole life. Never never uh, actually uh, was able to you know get that farm. But his son, my grandfather, Udy. Williams was able to, uh, well, he really continued down that same path of sharecropping that land. Yeah. But in 1949, he was actually able to buy the farm out of sharecropping. Wow. Okay. Which, you know, as I think about that now, that that still was a pretty big deal. So 100%. even that wasn't as yeah. straightforward of a of a path as you and I might think. Like, you as, just go is buy this the your farm. mom's dad? My dad's dad. Your dad's dad. Yeah, okay. Yeah, my dad's dad. So he did that and he was a cotton farmer just like many many were uh and he picked you know his family's cotton that year just like he had in many years past Mm -hmm. Um, but that particular year he had already found out what he owed on the farm he took his cotton to a different jenner than his landowner and you know i think about that now why he did that and that was to get really what the cotton was worth Mm. Uh, and he took that and the story gets even more complex because he took that money that, you know, those proceeds added the money he was making on the side, um, making moonshine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And went and bought the 86 acre farm. Wow. Which we still have today. Yeah. Wow. And believe it so or not. So moonshine's in your, in you, your blood. We did. I did not know that. Now you and, know. And I was yeah. going to say, uh, our family didn't really know that until like six years ago. We were in this building and my dad, there was a jug over in that corner I'm gonna show you later. Okay. My dad comes in with this jug and says, hey, your, your granddad you know, used to do moonshine and here's one of his jugs, which is the only evidence that we have left of your granddad doing moonshine. Wow. I mean, okay, what's your reaction to that? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to, yeah, it's got to be in the distillery. Yeah. So I'm like, why why, why why don't we know that? Why have, yeah. And my dad, you know, he's kind of a, you know, no nonsense kind of guy. He said, well, it just never came up. I'm like, okay. You never asked. I never asked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So that became such a fascinating piece. And then my dad, you know, fast forward, he started farming after my granddad and those 86 acres were not enough land you know in the, in the 80s and early 90s mm. to really sustain farming you know mm. with, with cotton and corn and soybean and wheat i mean you needed more acres to be able yeah. to yeah which you know you see it now you either get big or get out that was the the mantra at, at all the people time. i know in farming it's yeah. like they talk about thousands of acres yeah yeah so 
that led him to one of three choices, right? Get out, and many people did. Um, uh, try to obtain enough acres via purchase or lease or some way, uh, or diversify. My dad chose to, bur- the, to diversify, which is how we ended up into the vegetable business. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And then I guess you could fast forward another 30 years and my wife and I come back home and we're going to you know, call ourselves uh, doing something else with that farm. So you grew up here. I did. With your family farming. Yeah. And um, what is, what's like the education background of the family? Were you kind of the, the first one to get out and go to Fayetteville and do something like agricultural engineering? No, my, my mom uh, went to college over in, in Pine Bluff, UAPB. Okay. It was called yeah. um, AM&N at that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I only remember it as UAPB. UAPB. Yeah. My mom yeah. went to college over there. My dad went for a semester and I think he got called to the army or something. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. But um, um, I was... Uh, wanting to go to, to, to Pine Bluff, but they didn't have an agricultural engineering program. They had a pre-engineering program. Okay. Uh, so that's one of the primary reasons why I ended up in Fayetteville. Right. And, and was the goal was to get knowledge there to bring back to the farm? Or was it to go there and get knowledge and no, get out? No, <laughs> that, that is so interesting that you say that because most people, most people wouldn't guess that. My idea was I was going to go get an ag engineering degree and I was going to come back and be a farmer. I was just going to yeah. be a smarter farmer. Right. Um, and I got up there, got married, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's always a woman. It's always a woman. It's always a woman. Yeah. Changes it's, the plans quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I think you should get a career. Yeah. So I got <laughs> introduced of to, a, a to, to a career, and, and yeah. uh, my wife. She's actually from the area too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we got married and started working. Yeah. Know, and had um, really good careers. I had a career in ag engineering and she in IT. And okay. we lived all over this country. Wow. Um, and, That's cool. Uh, did a short stint in, uh, in the Netherlands, which was nice, right? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I'll just ask. I, I don't imagine there's a lot of black people in the Netherlands. Uh, no. Yeah. I would, I, would, no. I would think it would feel a lot like that conference where it's like. Yeah. Yeah. But it never, it never felt like you were alone okay. because it, it just, they're nice. They were, they were, they were good people good. and it, they, were, they were about the business of work and living and, and yeah. uh, enjoying life. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. I could just see there being a, a potential for it being odd. Yeah. Yep. But, but it opened up our, our, our minds to, to, to the world beyond the U S yeah. And yeah. We, we had our kids over there and my middle son you had your kids while you were there. No, we we took them oh, over you there. Took them with yeah, you. so they okay. had they had sort of this international experience, right? Yeah. So the middle son um, somehow made up his mind when he was there that I'm going to leave live overseas one day, and sure enough, when he got out of college, he went to work for a company, and about a year in, he said, "This is boring. I want to do something else." And the next thing we know, the the kid is telling us, "Hey," or the young man is telling us, uh, "I'm moving overseas." And he moved to uh, Madrid, Spain Wow! <laughs> for okay. a year and, a, and well, 18 months and taught English. Okay. That student uh, teaching visa was up. He said, I'm not ready to come home. He went to graduate school over there and stayed another year or so. Yeah. And the pandemic happened. Oh, yeah, man. And ran him home. Yeah. 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 Man, that is. And so... So he's here now. He he's works here. here. He does. Um, 
Is he itching to go back or is he now I, kind I, of... I think he, he he likes what he's doing. He likes what we're doing in terms of building this, this family business. Yeah. But he could see himself living overseas still. He just got to stay... You know what it's going to be. What's that? It's going to be wherever he finds a girl. Or does yeah. he have one? No, he doesn't. I, we have uh He's going to meet a sons. girl here and that's going to be what... It's going to depend on whether she wants to stay or she wants to go. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have two sons. Uh, and they both work here at the distillery, with yeah. us, which I never imagined having my boys working a business with me. I grew up working with my yeah. dad because we grew up on that farm, right? Well, that's uh, yeah. He, you may have been born out of necessity for hands on the farm. Yeah, I mean that was like that's that's historically that's been a real thing, right? It's like you you have kids because at at a certain point you're you're just okay. I got to make it. If I have a kid now, you know. I'm a, I'm a spend a lot of time and, you know, all kinds of resources on the farm to get them to working age. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we have help. And I think that's the way it was on fa- farm <laughs> family life then, yeah. right? They had yeah. big families. My dad had 10 other brothers and sisters. My mom had 10 other brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, and they worked and grew up on that farm. Now there was also the negative side. They all uh, migrated to the North or somewhere other right. than, you know, the yeah. South when they got older. Yeah. Well, they had kids out of necessity for help on the farm yeah. and because uh, what else are you going to do? Yeah. You know, they didn't have Netflix. No, <laughs> that's true. It's like, you know, by the time, by the time my wife got pregnant with our third kid, you know, we started having people like, can I like get you a, a cable subscription? Y'all need something to fill your free time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. So how is it having your children work for you? So all, all of my kids are young, but I could see that just being, um, knowing, knowing quite a few people now that have various family that work for them, including their kids. Um, you know, I'm a part of a few different business groups and it's, it's mixing that business and family. It, it can be so great. Yeah. And I think it also just, it has some, it has some potential downsides. So you have any advice for how people can navigate that? <laughs> well, be open to change. Mm. Um, we had great father son relationships, right? I mean, yeah. they're your kids. Um, but a working relationship is, eh, I won't say totally different, but there's, there's a difference in the boss and the son and the boss and the, you know, and, and the dad right. and the son. Um, so I had to learn to, um, listen, um, probably, you know, to their concerns and, and what they wanted. I, I knew, uh, leadership and leading a team. You mm-hmm. know, I, I was general manager of a manufacturing facility, a couple of manufacturing facilities with over 800 people. Right. So, you know, how to wow. lead and, yeah. and lead a team, but these are, these are your kids. They're your kids. Yeah. 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 It'd be hard for me. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to forecast into the future here like so my one son is three years old yeah and i can see 15 years from now 20 years from now it's going to be hard for me to learn to listen to him Mm -hmm. even though i mean at that point i mean when he's 23 like he probably be smarter than me and have a bunch of great ideas yeah but it's going to be hard for me to not just see him still as that three-year-old kid he is today that uh isn't anywhere close to self-sufficient. I had yeah. to do everything for him. Yeah. Yeah. I think you just touched on one of the keys, which is 
being open to learn from them. Yeah, it's going to be because tough. you spent that whole time always in teaching mode, teaching mode. Right. And, and I think even one of my kids even said, "Hey, Dad, this this doesn't have to be a teaching moment." Like, <laughs> ooh, you're right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it it has been really uh, good. Um, and, and right now it's just us in the family, me, my wife, and yeah. our two sons. When we bring, so it's great to get all of these dynamics worked out mm-hmm. now. So when we bring other people into the fold, we won't have that drama or you know those things to work out. We're like yeah. this is how it works. Here's standards. Right. Here are expectations. Here are you know the values that we're going to live by here at work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that has actually been been good. And like yeah. I said, I had to, to to learn, and my wife is. The referee, she keeps us all in line. I mean, if we, it gets out of hand and she walks out of that office, we all just just stand like deer in the head, like looking at her, and she'll say, "Enough of that." She gives you the matumbo, <laughs> yeah, and that crazy finger wag. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's so funny. Yep, I, I heard a guy, uh, it, it, and I'm I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he he built a huge business. Um, and he had brought his father in and either one or two brothers into the business. Okay. And they ended up selling that business for like a ton of money. And this interview was after he had bought the Utah Jazz. Oh, okay. And I forget, like I said, I, I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name. But the interviewer was asking him about, you know, how was it working with family? And he was like, you know, really tough. Um, but I realized a couple of things. He was like, I realized I could have harder conversations with them than I could with like typical employees. Cause at the end of the day, like we're, we're family and yep. like there's that, you know, blood is thicker than water and we can, we can recover from some harder conversations than maybe That's you true. could with some employees. And he was like, and the other thing was, he was like, I wanted to, take my company to the top, you know, that he was big, ambitious goals to grow this thing. And, I, and he was successful and sold it for, like I said, a ton of money, um, successful on, on that part. And he was like, I, I realized that if I really wanted to get there, did I want to, you know, get to the top of the hill and be celebrating alone. Hmm. And, and, and that kind of stuck with me. Yeah. I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want to get to whatever the top of my mountain is and be mm-hmm. celebrating alone. Will will some of it be tough because family's involved? Like, sure. Yeah. But is is the risk worth the reward? I think is what I ask myself. Yeah, I, I can see that um, because you know, you know, I, I started out talking about we've had our careers. Right. We're building a business for these boys and this next yeah. generation. Right. Yeah. And I want them to be prepared to lead, but learn along the way, learn this business. Mm-hmm. Um, they're back there grinding grain and cutting potatoes and bottling and yeah. learning the, the whole craft of it all. But also have them in distribution conversations. We're in contract discussions. So I think they're learning more than they probably give themselves credit for. Oh, yeah. Um, um, because one day this is going to be their business and their wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, my wife actually tells them, look, this is going to be you guys business. Learn everything that you you can from right. your dad and me. Uh, but one day you're going to send us a check and we'll just tell you where the, where to send it to. But, yeah. but, the, but you're going to take this thing over. 
So I'm more of the pusher and mm-hmm. driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my wife uh, balances that with celebrate the wins, the moments. And I need that because I'll just keep on driving. Yeah. yeah. Well, we sound very similar with, and th- this may resonate with you. So um, I forget the institution. It wasn't Harvard, but it was like something similar. And they, they did a study and it, it, I think it pertains to people, whether you're religious or not, but it was a study on uh, quote unquote, like successful Christian homes. Hmm. And they, uh, it was a, it has a really long survey. I'm going to drop the ball on all the like statistics on how long and how many families, but it was like a really comprehensive study over a long period of time. Yeah. Um, and they were trying to figure out what, um, what successful Christian homes do to raise good children. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the study, they were like, we found two commonalities. Okay. I'm intrigued. Two, yeah. The two commonalities were um, extremely high expectations for your kids. And the second one was an overwhelming amount of love and affection. So, and, and they, you know, they, they talk about it at length and in, in the study talks about, um, you know, kind of the reason why they think that is, yeah. um, because you, you just have too much of one or too much of the other, right? Like one, if you, if it's just high expectations yeah. and that's it, it's a cold place. And like, mm-hmm. you know, there's some downsides to that. If it's just overwhelming love and affection and nothing you do is wrong and there's no expectations to go along with it, then yeah you know, your kids are just kind of aimless and whatever. Um, and I was encouraged by that because, um, my wife and I kind of naturally gravitate to those two roles. They get an overwhelming amount of love and affection from my wife and they get really high expectations out of me. I was thinking the same thing. Like, wow, we, (laughs) we somehow accidentally balanced ourselves into that. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I, and, uh, I'm I'm grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it sometimes you know it causes a rub or conflict with your wife and I, and you talk it out and figure it out. Like, well, they need both, so let's yeah. let's let's yeah. Figure you out can how to, use this yeah. to tell you. Well, like, listen, you give them the love and affection, I give them the expectations, and yeah. Yeah. Harvard says it's a good thing, or whoever. It was. <laughs> good. GT said it was a good thing, and well, GT, surely yeah. he knows what he's talking about. He's got That's a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what matters. Aaron's over there laughing. Like, yeah. Don't listen to me. Um, but I, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with it's, it's nice that your kids are, are older in a way. Like I have no idea if my kids will be interested in my business at all. Um, you know, I, I probably selfishly, I hope that they are because so much of what I'm doing is just trying to you know, I think as a parent, we all want our kids to be better than us. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I just feel like what I'm doing is trying to, you know, lay a foundation for them to just continue to build off of. Um, and it's cool that your kids are in here learning all the parts because hopefully they'll be overseeing people that will then do all those things. And, you know, it's why so many, so many big companies hire from within, right? Like, like McDonald's, for example, notorious for hiring from within. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think their, I think their CEO started off as like, you know, flipping burgers or something. flipping, flipping burgers. Yeah. yeah. And because of that, you know, he's gone, he's gone through the ranks 
now as a CEO, he can still talk from a perspective of, mm-hmm. I understand what it takes to, you know, fry the French fries right. That's right. You know, he can, as the CEO of a huge multi-billion dollar international, I mean, just off the charts, massive company, yeah. can still to this day walk into a McDonald's and say, hey, you're not doing that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and your your kids will have knowledge that they can still oversee everything, you know, as it continues to grow and still be like, I used to be the person that did that job. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and of course, I have this vision that we're going to be much bigger than we are. Yeah. And this is going to be an automated pre- place. And, you know, we're going to be cranking out a lot more. But they will also remember washing these potatoes by hand mm-hmm. and grinding these grains mm-hmm. and carrying these totes and manually dumping them over into the, the uh, yep. cookers. Be sure to take uh, pictures. They'll be... They'll be on the walls one day. That is, that's absolutely right. I mean, like, yeah. it's kind of crazy to think about, but in, yeah. I mean, when your that's right. grandkids mm-hmm. are working in this place, yeah, they're not going to believe that dad, your, your kids used to hand wash sweet potatoes. <laughs> yeah. You know, you need that's pictures right. yeah. to prove it. Yep. they gonna be like, dad's never worked a hard day in his life. He sits in the corner office and. Yeah. Drink sweet potato vodka all day. <laughs> <laughs> and even now when we go back there, we've got a, a washer, right? And yeah. it's hard to remember the days where we had to just hand yeah. wash them and we just dump them in this washer. In the future, we will dump a full crate into this machine and yeah. we'll wash, conveyor them down, dump over into the cooker. Yeah. I, I, I've got it all you, thought yeah. out. I'm sure your engineering <laughs> brain's already got it got it built out in your head. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be a full... Uh, like how it's made episode. Yeah. I'm sure. Did you used to watch that show? I did. I, I, I am did. not an engineer, but I just used to love watching that show and like watch how, how they do all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think like you ever watched the tinfoil episode? It's a total tangent, tinfoil. but like it's one of my like favorite episodes, yeah. how they just take like, you know, it, uh, aluminum just comes oh, yeah. in on a truck in like, just a big chunk of mm-hmm. like aluminum. It just goes through roller, 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 roller. Yep. And uh, you know, when it, you know why tinfoil's shiny on one side and dull on the other? What's that? It's like to get it as thin as tinfoil is, they have to double it up. Oh. Um, so it actually goes through that final roller in, in two sheets. Okay. So the side that touches the, the side that touches the rollers gets shiny. Mm-hmm. And the side that's pressed against the other the, that's the facing side. each other is the now i know yeah like there's no real reason why it's like made that way it's a it's a product of like how it's made how it's made yeah now i know that total tangent but yeah i no, can no, geek I out over it. how it's made for oh yeah yeah days yeah i could too <laughs> yeah, yeah. i like that. um so speaking of how it's made maybe just tell us a little bit of of what the process looks like because y'all are you know it sounds like basically farm to table but in a from the bottle. Yeah, farm to bottle. Yep. There you it go. Is. It is. So um are you you're still involved in the farming process as well? I am. Okay. Um our, our farm is about twenty miles from where we sit. Okay. And um we're still growing potatoes. Um uh, my brother, you know, my my dad um passed two years ago, so my brothers and I are trying to keep mm. things going. Yeah. And um he's growing corn and wheat and grew some rice this year for the first time. Okay. Um, 
but what we're you can and is that with the sorry to interrupt you but no. is that with the purpose of distilling something else with rice no he was just trying a different crop okay yeah but you know i have thought about a rice gin <laughs> yeah well that's yeah. why i was like yeah it's it's two different ways of thinking i'm sure it's like growing rice for just sale for sale as rice yeah. or to use as a ingredient in a product here yeah my, my dad always talked about um taking something and value adding that was his that was his his thing value add value add yeah and it was to decommoditize something like you could sell a bushel of sweet potatoes but you take that same bushel of sweet potatoes and turn that into a pie a tort in this case a vodka yeah and then you're gonna delight the customer more and right. your margins are gonna be much better right yeah so yeah. that has always kind of stuck with me. Like, how do you value add something? Yeah. 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 I, so I deal with value add stuff all the time with it. It's real estate in my business. Mm. Um, but it, it is an interesting thing. Um, how to add value best. Mm. Like you're all, yeah. Like when you start looking at like highest and best use of something yeah. is like a common phrase in real estate. Cause mm -hmm. it's like, you know, a, a piece of real estate to one person mm -hmm. isn't worth as much as it is to somebody else. Somebody else, their mother may live next door and yeah. all of a sudden like that piece of real estate's really valuable to them. That's right. That's you know, right. like your, lot. your sweet potatoes, if you set up a stand out front of here mm -hmm. may not sell for as much if you go to like, the farmer, you just take those same sweet potatoes, yep. but you take them to the farmer's market in the Heights, yeah. you know, yeah. and all of a sudden, like they're worth four times as much or yeah. whatever. That's right. That's right. But it's really, I get so stuck in kind of the, the math of that. Yeah. Cause you can spend so much time just kind of diving into what is the highest and best use. Mm -hmm. Cause like, okay, the potatoes are worth four times as much if I take them to the Heights well, the Heights is two and a half hours away. Yeah. And like, okay, how much do I have to pay somebody? Is it, you know, does the price offset the expense? And yeah. Oh yeah. And then I, all of a sudden I look down and it's been three hours and I'm like, was, was any of this time I spent working on this math <laughs> worth the, you know, or just get, just get myself stuck in like rabbit holes. It, it is worth it to know your cost though. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and have a really good handle on your cost of goods. I mean, I, I've learned yeah. that. To, to the minutia of that bottle cost me this much to make from right. the, the, the label to the cork, to the juice in the bottle and everything associated with even the, the lights, what, 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 what gets, so that has been something that uh, has helped you make good business decisions about mm -hmm. every move that you make and is it worth it? Yeah. 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 So getting back to the farm, we, I mean, okay. we grow the sweet potatoes, we grow the corn, we, and the vodka that we make is, is made from those two ingredients, sweet potatoes and corn. Okay. Yep. I know yeah. nothing about vodka and yeah. how it's made. Yeah. So yep. Yep. you need uh, both? You, mm, you need one or the other. I mean, you need Okay. You make corn. some with sweet potato and some with corn. Uh, for us, we're making uh, one vodka and it has a blend okay. of sweet potatoes and corn. Okay. Uh, you take uh, the most popular uh, vodka out there is 100% corn. Okay. Uh, you take some vodkas out there, they're made with 100% wheat. Uh, and there are some potato vodkas out there, like white potatoes. Yeah. Um, we just came up with a unique blend for ours where we 
uh, take sweet potatoes and we ferment, mash those. We do the same thing with the corn. We yeah. blend those and we distill them. How how many iterations did it take you to feel like you got that uh, combination right? A lot. I mean, it took months. It really did. Um, yeah. Just because the first batches that we were making was 100% sweet potatoes. Yeah. Which is what my goal was. I set out to say, can we make sweet, a sweet potato, potato vodka? vodka. And yeah. uh, it was good. It was vodka. It was coming off the, off the steel at 190 plus proof. Um, but it was just too dirty, too earthy to me. Okay. So we started blending that with some grains. And it wasn't corn um, uh, initially. I mean, we had wheat. We were trying barley. We had corn. And then we, we landed on a combination of sweet potatoes and corn, a percentage of sweet potatoes. And it's more sweet potatoes than corn, but we had to add something to try to balance and blend yeah. that sweet potato down to uh, yeah. give it a, a unique flavor, still vodka, but um, you know it, it hits the palate and that is a delicious sip. Well, at the end of the day, it's got to be good. Yeah, right? it's got to be like, good. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty important. Yeah. So were you doing, you were doing this at a, at a different distillery. I assume you didn't have all this built at this point. No, we, uh, we, we actually bought an R&D still, bought a small okay. still okay. and was testing. And I checked with. Uh, you can do that? Yeah, I actually called uh, Little Rock ABC. I had already started applying for uh, the federal license. And you you know you can't get your state license until you get your federal. So I had already okay. applied for the federal license, and I, I called uh, Arkansas ABC and talked to the director and said, "Yeah, yeah, you can do that as long as you're not selling because we we got to collect taxes on anything that gets sold, and you can only produce this much. Okay. So if you're only producing this much and you're not selling any of it, then you're okay. So okay. The, the, the government's not coming knocking on your door. Right. Yeah. So okay. we tested and tested and and yeah. uh, allowed us time to perfect it. Right. Yeah. And I like, I love hearing that story because it's, uh, I think like I mentioned before we, we got on camera, it's like, I just love the stories of, um, a, uh, the best businesses are founded out of an opportunity, not like a need for money. Hmm. You know, like I get approached by people that are wanting to get into business all the time. And anytime somebody's like, well, I'm going to start this business because I think it's, a way that I can, I can start making mm. money. Mm. And it's like, I, it's a red flag for me yeah. because it's like, that's, that's not probably going to be a strong enough why to just get through all of the kicks in the teeth you're yeah. going to take. Um, and it's, it's just, it's better when it's started from an opportunity. Mm. You had an opportunity where a, apparently, you know, farming and, distilling were in your family lineage <laughs> yeah you had a product already which was great sweet potatoes mm -hmm. and now it's just okay we may be on to something that's a highest a higher and better use of um or how to value add to those sweet potatoes yeah. and then it's like it sounds you know you have this agricultural engineering background but I, it doesn't sound like a lot of distilling background no. but like you've, you you through taking that imperfect action and just keeping continuing to push forward, you figure out, okay, I can get my federal license. And then that lets me get my state license. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, you're mixing up vodka and yeah. testing out different ways to do it. And you, you know, here, here's the other thing. We, we weren't huge alcohol connoisseurs. So yeah. we, we, 
I didn't know what a good vodka was or a bad vodka. So my, my son and I, we went to the liquor store and we bought like a plethora of vodka, right? We bought the cheapest stuff they had in the store. Yeah. We bought what you know the stores had in terms of most expensive. And we bought stuff in between. And we tasted all of that to try to figure out what differentiates these, these vodkas. Uh, not that we were trying to replicate anybody. We just want to know what was what's good. Yeah. What's good. What, what justifies the expensive price tag of the good stuff. That's exactly right. Because you want to... At the end of the day, like as as a business owner, you just want to justify an expensive price tag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and as it turned out, we, that our finished product uh, ended up being a premium vodka, what, what's considered on the market a premium vodka. So yeah. we're competing with, uh, you know, the, the the brands that you would consider premium. The, yeah. The Grey Gooses, the yeah. Belvedere's, the, 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 and so we price point ourselves at that. It's locally produced, made. I, I think it has an amazing story behind it. It does. It connects 100%. and resonates with people. Um, and then I couldn't we, tell it, you the story of any of those like top tier you know, or whatever premium brands that you talked about. It's yeah. like you buy it because of their, you buy it because a name on a yeah. bottle and you just, at least in my experience back when I was drinking, it's like you just bought it because somebody else says it's good. Yeah. It all kind of yeah. tasted the same to me. Yeah. And, and then my son um, wanted to enter these competitions. Here's where young people come okay. in because I wasn't yeah. ready. I'm thinking we we haven't perfected this. What are you what? like? No, Dad, we, we're good. Yeah. Well, at <laughs> so, least you'll get some feedback. Yeah. yeah. So we, he entered. Uh, we entered three competitions um, that first year out of the gate, um, 2022. And these are pure tasting competitions. Yeah. I mean, these yeah. are blind tasting competitions. Okay. Um, the largest spirit competition in the world is the San Francisco World Spirits. Okay. We entered that one. We entered the International Micro Liquor Spirits Award and the American Craft Spirits Association. And we took the highest award in all three. Wow. Which is. That's crazy. Floors you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so amazing. We took double gold in San Francisco, um, triple gold in the micro liquor. Wow. And then gold and best of class for the vodka category in American Craft. And that's so. That's just that's just blind tasting. It's not like taking into account the story or anything. It's just no. Like it's just it's just purely based on the and, merits of the product. Wow. Exactly. In fact, the the San Francisco it carries such weight because uh, all of the judges have to give your product that blind have to give your product a gold for it to be double gold. Now you can still get gold if one of them gives it something less than gold. Okay. Right. And you get a gold. Yeah. But every single one of those judges. To give it a gold, get you a double gold wow. with them. And, uh, and what is the trip? You mentioned triple gold. What is triple gold? Yeah, that gold? was the, the International uh, okay. uh, Liquor Spirits Award. It's just as prestigious. It just doesn't have the thousands of entrants, I don't think, as the San Francisco one does. Okay. Um, and we won double gold in the San Francisco for two consecutive years. And wow. then last year, 23, we got... Uh, uh, selected to be uh, represent uh, one of the vodkas, the one one of the best vodkas in the world. So we ended up in Las Vegas. Yeah, they had four um, vodkas that were competing for the best vodkas in the world. Two from the U.S. We were one of them. Uh, one from France and one from the U.K. Wow! But to be in that mix, right? Yeah, and incredible. It was incredible. They didn't do the competition like your first, your second, your third, and your fourth. They did it like they just picked the top guy. And the, the top um, avaka in the world that 
spring, which was 2023, was the one from the UK. Okay. And, you know, we're from Arkansas. Yeah. And they didn't say who's number two. So I, I, I'm taking it. We're tied for number two in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but just to be in that in, in that mix, to be one That's of the best boxers in the world man. is still still pretty amazing to me. It's such a crazy story because it's just like, I mean, who who could have ever imagined? I know. I know. Right here in West Helena, Arkansas. On, right here. Uh, family farm that's been in the family for generations. You've been growing sweet potatoes that make one of the best vodkas in the world. Who knew? Who, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. It, it is. It really is. And we're, we're humbled by it. Um, we, we still, you know, have to get out there and work and get, get exposure and get people to try your product. Because right. to, to your point, you say you go to the store and people are going to go in there and they're going to buy what they know. Right. Um, yeah. So my point is to try to get, you know, sips to lips and they try it. And right. once they try it, like. This is, yeah. you know, this is, is a, a really good vodka, a really amazing story, and it's made here locally. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you just have the uphill battle of, I'm sure, like, it, it sounds like you're like me in a, in a lot of ways. Like, I have, I have a hard time feeling like I've repeated something, hmm. and it sounds like you're kind of getting to that point where to yourself, you're gonna start feeling like a broken record. Yeah. Yeah. But the message just has to get pounded so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because man, it's such a, an incredible story and I'm so glad we're here. I hope that like we can get this in front of some people because yeah. um, I, I just, I love everything about that story and it just is like a, a cherry on the Sunday that on top of this incredible story, it's like world-renowned vodka. Yeah, yeah, which <laughs> that, that, that's icing on top, right? Right, yeah. like now it's like you just have that uphill battle of we have this incredible vodka and this incredible story, but how do you, how do you tell somebody that that's just looking at a wall of vodkas? Yeah. Yep, and, and you, it is a crowded aisle. You go down the vodka aisle, it's a crowded aisle. A so, lot of options. So yeah. on our bottle, we have the sweet potato name in orange. Okay. Uh, just to, to grab your attention, you walk down the aisle and like, yeah. what's that orange? And if they see the sweet potato, the first thing in, in marketing is to try to get them to pick it up off the shelf. If they mm. get it off the shelf, you, you, you know, you're not halfway there, but That's true. at least you got them looking at it, and maybe they're intrigued enough to say sweet potatoes. What's on the vodka? back of this bottle? And you go to the back of that label. Right. Guess what's on the back of that label? Your face. No, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's some Delta dirt. Yeah, we put dirt okay. on the back of that, uh, on the back of that. Like actual dirt. Actual dirt. Yeah. Cool. On the back of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would it would get. It's just my just, just. I mean, it's, it's a marketing thing. I, yeah. I'm, I'm very familiar with manufacturing. I wasn't so familiar with this whole marketing, social media, but branding. My, but my son. Yeah is good and he enjoys it so that's uh it's a valuable skill set to get really good really at. is yeah yeah because i it it is all very new to me yeah i mean i'm i am way more interested in like helping other people like market themselves just because my my business is is really pretty small and like it doesn't i don't have something like a great vodka hmm. to sell yeah um you know i have houses that I rent and that's like that's a business as old as time itself you know like it's it's pretty 
the, my marketing and needs and stuff like that are really non-existent. You got to let them know they're going to have a great customer experience. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. I, and I hope they do. <laughs> hope we're, That's hope right. That's hope right. We're delivering that to our residents. But That's it's right. like, um, you, it, it's, it's an uphill battle, but it's it's one that's definitely worth fighting because yeah. I think, oh, yeah. um, you know, it it sounds like just more people need to hear about it. And yeah. like, I mean, I can guarantee you, especially after hearing this, like, I I need to I need to buy some vodka from you today. Yeah, and 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 here's the other thing too. You know, from from the very beginning, I mean, our intent was was about raising spirits in the Delta. I mean, we could have mm. we could have put this this space and this place anywhere. Right. Um, but we put it close to the farm, close to the area. This is the Delta. Now, uh, we're right on Cherry Street in, in downtown historic Helena, right? And it's home of King Biscuit Blues Festival, which is which is like a world-renowned blues festival, right? Yeah. Um, but this area also kind of boasts some other things that are not so great, right? We uh, have, and it's okay for me to say this because it's, it's, it's the truth, we have the h- highest um, poverty rate in the state, this, this, this area. This area. Yeah, yeah. and we have, um, we were listed in 2023 as the worst place to live in, in Arkansas. But then you come in this space um, and it is ripe for a comeback. It is ripe for investment. It's, it's ripe yeah. for, um, particularly coming off the pandemic, where people can live and work right. wherever they want wherever. to. Yeah. And this, yeah, West Helena gets internet, you know? It's yeah, like, you yeah, can... Yeah, you can, so I, I believe in yeah. the area. I believe in our business. I believe that, you know, things can be better than, you know, people have given it credit for. Mm -hmm. So I I have to believe that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm, I'm in the same boat, just more, you know, like Arkansas in general, like I was born and raised here. And I mentioned before we got on, on camera that, um, I just have a real passion for doing anything that I can to help Arkansas be on the map. Yep. Cause I think I, I don't really know anybody that's come to Arkansas and visited and not left with their preconceived notions changed. Shattered. Right. Really? Because yeah. yeah. you, you come and you see it and you're like, Ooh. oh, this is beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. And like, you know, you can get where you're trying to go without sitting in traffic for three hours. And, you know, um, yeah. there's just, there's a lot of wonderful things here. There's a lot of wonderful businesses here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just really cool stuff going on. Yeah. And even living here, I learn about cool new things going on in Arkansas all the time. Yeah. So it's like, if I, if I claim to be an Arkansan and I'm just now learning about this stuff, like we really need to all kind of come together and do yeah. what we can to promote each other and promote the state. Cause it's the rising tide raises all ships. Guys. That's right. I, I, I fully agree. I mean, this, this, this place, um, last year we won the Arkansas, the governor's, uh, tourism attraction of the year award. What? And man, we, we, yeah. Where are all the, do you have like a trophy room? Is it your office? I do have some in the office, but yeah. the, that table over there has a, a, oh, okay. a, 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 a list of trophies over there. Man. And uh, so every weekend, and we're only open on a weekend, we work seven okay. days a week, but we're only open here on the weekends. Yeah. And, there's a lot uh, that's got to go on to make 
yeah. stuff happen. Right. And but we get visitors from all over the state in here every weekend. And yeah. even now I'm still just just honored that people would drive an hour, an hour and a half, two yeah. hours to see us. Right. You yeah. Know, I'm happy about it. I did it today. Yeah, you did. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it just speaks volumes to what you're doing here, right? Yeah. Like it's, uh, and it's so cool. Like, I mean, I don't, there's so many aspects of it that are amazing. The, the lineage, the history, um, and exciting prospects of like where you're going to. I mean, I think this is really, I think this is only limited by the awareness that yeah. you have um, and by how much you're going to be able to make. Yeah. How many sweet potatoes you can grow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of problems you want to deal with, right? It's yeah. like, it's like, can we produce enough sweet potatoes to keep up with demand? Yeah. Yep. But then you just get to start doing stuff like raising the price. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, we released the, uh, a gin a year after we released the vodka. And, okay. then, and then we have our, our bourbon type product coming out this year. So people have, okay. have been waiting on. Because you can't call it bourbon, right? I can't call it bourbon. I did get my formula, formula approved by TTB. But because, well. I know that I don't, there's some kind of weird rule about it's got to be like Kentucky yeah, or something. No, no. Okay. I, I, I thought that's where you were going uh, because we have something in, in our bourbon other than uh, grain. Okay. But, but really, uh, you can make bourbon in any state in the country. Okay. Now, I get Kentucky really made an attempt to say bourbon can only come out of Kentucky. Okay. I uh, had heard that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that, that is uh false false okay what is true though is that your mash bill has to be at least 51 percent corn okay uh, it has to go into new american oak barrels okay and it can't come off of your steel uh more than 160 proof when you when you are distilling okay uh and it did at one time have an age designation but th there's no age des des designation on just just a bourbon but if you get into the straight bourbons and some of the, some of the okay. other things there's age, yeah. age designations um, it's a deep rabbit hole. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a deep rabbit hole. But the other thing is, uh, bourbon is a type of whiskey, uh, just like rye whiskey or wheat whiskey or right. Canadian whiskey. Um, we are producing a bourbon product. However, we can't call it a whiskey because we have, well, one of the products, we have another one that's in barrels that we are going to be able to call a bourbon. Okay. But we put sweet potatoes in Sweet potato spirit in our brown, right? That sounds pretty good. Yeah. So we can't call that a whiskey. So, so what do you call it? We are working now to come up with the right name. Uh, it, it got folded over into what the government calls a specialty spirits category. So essentially say you can call it whatever you want to. You just can't call it whiskey. I was trying to think <laughs> of some, some way to uh, like sweet ski. Yeah. I was there trying to, it just, it came, it comes off bad. You, yeah. You'll think of something great. Oh, we, 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 we've got something in mind. I just okay. haven't, haven't released it yet, okay. but yeah. uh, we are going to, and, and the product itself is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it really is. We've, we've, we pull some and out of the barrel. It's super unique. Yeah. Just like sweet potato vodka, right? Right. So if we're going to be like, you've heard of, um, you know, Kentucky bourbon, clearly. Yeah. Um, Tennessee makes a bourbon. They don't call it bourbon. 
right. Tennessee whiskey. Yeah. Tennessee whiskey. Yeah. Kentucky bourbon. Yeah. So we are going to um, create a category for what Arkansas is producing. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. Just, just watch out. For All it. you need is Chris Stapleton to cover a song about it. And yeah. Um, yeah. then it's huge. Then it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> if the product's good, uh, the people will yeah. come, they'll enjoy it. And you're well, right. that, the, make Chick, the founder it. of Chick-fil-A famous quote from him is, um, you know, if, if your product or service is good enough, the market will demand that you grow. Mm. That's actually true. Yeah. Well, and that's, <laughs> that's how, I mean, it, it's a very simple quote, but yeah. there's like some levels of complexity there, right? It's like, it's a quote about not growing beyond your demand, mm -hmm. not trying to just force growth too quickly. Yep. Um, some really good advice in there. Yeah. Um, and also it's like, it's, I, I take it as good advice of, of focusing on the product. Yeah. You know, like, um, it's really, really difficult to change markets. Mm -hmm. Um, just by like brute force, take yeah. a bunch of money and whatever. Yeah. Um, as, as anyone that's listening to this podcast, you'll be much better focusing on just improving your quality mm -hmm. of product or service. Yeah. Which yeah. make it so, I mean, people just, people pay you out the ears for something they really like yeah. or really need. Yeah. Yep. So just try to make it as good as you can. Yep. Yep, we are creating something that uh, hopefully is really enjoyable for people to uh, to taste and, and share. Um, yeah, and and uh, really just experience this. Well, yeah, you're offering not just um, it's not just a vodka. Mm -hmm. You're by buying it, you're supporting a local business if yep. you're here, mm -hmm. um, and you're you're almost. Like as a customer, like I will leave here today, a customer, I, after hearing the story, once you educate people on that story and stuff, yeah. it's like, I now feel like I'm like a part of this story in a small way. Which is what I really enjoy when we give tours here and yeah. people just kind of walk through the process and they hear the story, hear the right. origin of that. And then at the end of that great story, let's, let's try this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You need a, you need a, uh since you've already got this like tourist destination, yeah. you need the real estate part of me is like, you need like an Airbnb out at the farm. Farm, was it, what is it called? Agri-tourism? Yeah. 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 Uh, because, um, yeah, like ag agri-tourism mixed, like that's kind of a niche thing, yeah. but you're also mixing it with like distillery tourism. I know countless people that go do the oh, yeah. Tennessee, tours and the Kentucky tours and yeah. whatever, yeah. like it's going to be uh, probably a little bit harder to do an Arkansas mm -hmm. tour. Yeah. Like, I mean, we just don't have distillery row or right. probably like whatever they call it, yeah. but I guarantee you, you'd have some people that want to stay out at an Airbnb on the farm and actually like get the tour of where the sweet potatoes are grown. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, have a little, uh, have a little sweet potato bourbon in their coffee in the morning. And, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, come out during growing season. Uh, I, you could you could help me dig your own. You can dig <laughs> your own sweet potatoes. potatoes. <laughs> like it, it sounds like you know that's something I imagine y your dad would have just like. Oh yeah, he had he'd have eaten that just, up. Yeah, yeah, he really would have. Yeah, like yeah, 
people are going to pay us to come dig up their own sweet potatoes. It's like, yeah, they yeah, will. I've, I've heard of uh, uh, bottling parties where they come into the distillery oh, yeah. and they bottle. Uh, we can go out and have some dig parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it. Part of it sounds kind of like silly. Yeah. But in the in the world we live in today, you mentioned like changes and changes in the workplace with this new generation. It's like what what gets this new generation going is actually having an experience because mm. everything now is virtual. Mm -hmm. I think those, those real world experiences where yeah. somebody actually gets to go out into a field and like pull a sweet potato up and yep. then come in here and actually see how it happens. It's like, there's, there's going to, I think there already is, but I think the trend continues a real increase in, um, experiences like yeah, that. Yep. You know, I had an agricultural engineering student from UAPB work this past summer and he, this, this past summer was the second summer he had worked. The first summer, uh, we were, I think we were actually still hand washing, but you know, he started to grunt, hand washing, grinding yeah. and, uh, really doing uh, work back there. He did some bottling. And then this past year, uh, he actually, uh, helped us during the planting season. Okay. And spraying the, 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 you know, cultivating those sweet potatoes. And he didn't get to dig. He was already back in, in college. Mm -hmm. But, but to take, you know, from the field and for him to see that and then here, cut those potatoes, grind that and be a part of that process. Hopefully I'm enriching his ag engineering, yeah. you know, experience, his college experience has been supplemented with some real world stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. Man, if you had had me working at a distillery in college, I might've drank them out of business. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> There's no, we, a we, fox in the hen house situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it, it hadn't been any, anything like that because you didn't really get exposed to anything up here. It's, yeah. it's all about the agriculture process. Right. That's, and, yeah. and we've had ag, ag, agriculture students to come in here and the, for them to see that raw material turn into a finished product and all of those steps in between and to yeah. learn about it, understand it, smell yeah. it, see it, touch it. Um, yeah. To me, I, I think it's, it's impactful. Oh, 100%. And it's that stuff you, you can't learn in a textbook. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you, you need some of both. Yeah, that's right. Books, you do. But the, the classic book smart and street smart or oh, whatever. Yeah. We, we had to act, actually go to academia to help us f figure out this process because there there is a reason why not many people are using sweet potatoes to make alcohol. Mm. There's a, a clear reason. And There's one, some tricks to it. One of those is um, fully extracting the sugar from those sweet potatoes. And uh, I, I absolutely have to give my wife credit. She found a professor to be able to help us to do that. And he broke it down to some, some complexities that we didn't understand. And actually he said that the sugars that are in sweet potatoes, there's a lot there, but they're complex sugars. And you guys challenge mm -hmm. in what you're doing is to extract and break those complex sugars down into simple fermentable sugars. And it's not an easy process. See, now, yeah, when you started talking about that, I started, yeah, my, my brain started going back in some old files of like the glycemic index and why sweet potatoes are go. healthier for you than regular potatoes because mm -hmm. they don't spike your insulin like white potatoes because mm -hmm. the sugars are complex. And But I 
I wouldn't have thought about that in the distilling process until you yeah. said that. Yep. And, and, and the, the reason that's important, uh, at least for us on the production side, is that once we unlock those sugars, we, our, our yields went up. Went up. Because you're almost leaving exponentially. a lot of, yeah. yeah. You're yeah. leaving a lot unextracted. Unextracted sugars, yeah. yeah. And they, we, you know, because once we, you know, do that uh, and we distill the alcohol off of it, the remain the waste goes back to the farm and it's blended in with hay and things and it's yeah. fed to our cows. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so they were getting more than what they should have been getting. I, I need to get all of that out. Mm. And, uh, and then they go back and, uh, the grain and the sweet potatoes that we distill off, you know, the, it's yeah. fed to the cows. That's a beautiful thing. It's just like the, the circle of life. It yeah. Just, it's, like, it's full circle. It yeah. ends up back at the farm. Wow. Someone was telling me, uh, it was on a tour and like, Wow, so your 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 cows on this diet of what you guys, you know, the byproduct of what you guys produce here. I'm like, yeah, and, yeah to some extent, then, we we supplemented with hay and some. some and know. then what the cows eat ends up back in the fields where we grow the sweet potatoes. And yeah, <laughs> and and she said, well, have you have you killed one of those cows and tried the beef? Is it is it taste unique? I'm like, I have not. But you may be onto something. You may be onto something. This may be a steak restaurant before you know it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sweet potato beef is on the menu. It, 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 it is pretty amazing how you can get creative and, and the imagination can I lead thought you to about some it, but like, interesting places. Couldn't she it? may be onto something. I know. I know. I really want a sweet potato cow steak now. I can <laughs> tell you that it sounds really good. We must be getting close to lunchtime because you said that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, oh man, that does sound really good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, well, I, uh, if you're willing, I would love to get a tour of some of this. And oh, I think we'll, sure. we'll film some of that. Um, okay. I don't, I don't know if that's going to be a separate video or not. So yeah. we'll go ahead and, uh, tell everybody how to find you if they want to get some yeah, of uh, so y'all's products here. We, um, absolutely come to the distillery right here in downtown historic Helena, West Helena, Arkansas, uh, and schedule a tour. Love to show you around, or just enjoy this space. And, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know a, how much of it you can see on camera, but it's wonderful in here. Bring a friend, bring a girlfriend, bring a, uh, and, and have a date. Uh, and we are on social media, so uh, our youngest son actually does all of our social media, and I'm really grateful that he enjoys that because yeah. you know Facebook, uh, it's a lot, uh, Instagram, and we have a website, uh, DeltaDirtDistillery.com. Perfect. Yeah. And, uh, and um, Arkansas is not one of those states that allow you to order um, spirits online. They, they don't have, they haven't approved e-commerce for spirits. You can join a wine club and have wine delivered to your home. Right. Um, but for those states that are out there that allow um, spirits to be delivered to their home, we are now available in over 35 states. Okay. Yeah. So they reserve can, bar. if you go to Delta Dirt Distillery. Yeah, it'll take you to if you want to order online. Um, it'll take you to Reserve Bar, and okay. they can order it. And it'll clearly when when you put in your address, say yes or no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, people are 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 um, ordering and having it delivered to their homes or their local liquor store. Yeah. And uh, getting it there. We we are so if you're to, in Arkansas, I assume it's got like a list of distributors where you can find it. Actually, if you go through our website, okay, and um, it has a map. My son did this amazing map, okay. right? So it has every store perfect across the yeah. state where you, right. can, uh, you can go and it. find it. Yeah, awesome. 
Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I really want to go look at the rest of it and hear how some of this stuff goes down. So if this is the end of this video, this is the end of the podcast, thank you all for watching. Uh, Be sure to check out the other video where we go look at some of the awesome stuff that's going on here. Be sure to check out Delta Dirt. Um, And if this is all in the same video, then keep watching. We're going to go check some stuff out. (laughs) Thank you, GT. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, thank you.